0: In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. So, tonight I'm doing something completely different. I'm actually having a drink while we podcast. It's the first time ever, so cheers. Cheers
1: yeah it's probably not a beer right it's a it's probably a is it a oh. is it a fruity drink is it a it's
0: drink? uh kind of i wouldn't yeah. say it's I, I don't drink beer obviously but it's it's a yeah. it's mr <laughs> pib with some vodka in it so <laughs> i mean mr Pib has some cherry so that's uh that's <laughs> mr gross is what it sounds like <laughs> yeah you just shut your face you, I, you you drink your beer and i'll uh i'll enjoy my
1: alternatives well, uh, twenty sixteen is a is a beer year for me just because I'm trying to uh, keep the extra carbs out of my diet as much as I that's
0: one way to do it avoiding <laughs> movie popcorn will help too I've had a lot of movie popcorn lately yeah
1: that's not happening anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> I know all right
0: so welcome everyone to episode six of the feeling film podcast where we are covering Captain America Civil War
1: America. America, lock, uh, lock, lock, America. I like Captain America. It didn't
0: take you long.
1: <laughs> That's all you're going to get from me tonight.
0: Oh, yes. It's out of the way, folks. Um, okay, <laughs> so we are sorry that we waited a week to cover this. Um, looking back, that might not have been the best decision, but uh, we did get a lot of time to reflect on the film, and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation that we have. If anything, i Yeah, I'm Patch. And we are excited to talk about it. Um, we... Really enjoyed the film. Uh, we'll go in depth, obviously, but we both we both enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And so, let us get started. So, Patrick, before we talk about Civil War, um, what have you been up to?
1: Well, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a pretty busy week. I've had a lot going on, but I've had a chance to revisit a couple of uh, couple of pieces of media this week. I uh, in light of in light of our last podcast, I really wanted to find. I got to thinking about racism and how uh, how racism is portrayed on film. And it got me thinking about older movies for some reason and how um, it, it got me basically wanting to revisit an older movie, uh, Driving Miss Daisy. I, I got to watch that this week. And it's really incredible to think when I when I watch that at, at my age at 37, it's funny about anything that you revisit after years of, of not just the things that you pick up and the appreciation that you have for it. I I was just blown away by Morgan Freeman and Jessica Tandy's um, relationship in the movie and just their their performances as as actors. They just they were just incredible. And I just have it. That movie is very endearing to me anyway. There are several moments that I just completely Love to revisit the uh, the particular scene with with Hoke having to go make water as he uh as he as he says to her and her little small almost freak out moment and hip. It's just the subtlety of of the movie is just really good. Uh so I watched that this week and um late this week I was recommended a documentary by a coworker of mine, Courtney. I brought her up before. She's basically feeding me new stuff. So if 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 I become cooler as a result of watching these things. And I have heard a thing for that. So that's great. <laughs> there's a movie, a documentary that came out back in 1975. Uh, and it's called, some of you guys that are listening might know this one. It's called the gray gardens. And it's essentially a documentary about a mother, daughter, a mother and daughter who were, they're kind of the high society types, or at least they were, they have a, a direct kind of family relationship to uh, Jackie Kennedy the mother is, I think, the aunt, and the daughter is the cousin, obviously. And the documentary really is just 90 minutes of watching them live life in this rundown mansion that has been kind of infested with cats and raccoons. And and you know, from an emotional standpoint, I'm I'm watching this and I'm going, this is just crazy. I mean, these are just some eccentric women. That we're just watching them just interact, and some of the things that they talk about are just completely ridiculous. And you can tell the uh, the mom has kind of gone off the bend just a little bit in terms of just getting older and whatnot. But it really kind of connected with me because I thought this is, you know, this is raw. This is a very this is this this is an. I mean, documentaries for the most part, principally, are not scripted. I mean, you're, you're getting interviews from people and whatnot, but this feels almost a step beyond that where the filmmakers are just saying, let's let the cameras roll and see what happens. And nothing crazy happens, but just watching these guys, I mean, you're, you're seeing them, and this is 1975, you're, you're seeing this kind of old-school, gritty filmmaking, principally, but also physically. So you're seeing just, and I was just really captured by it. And I, you don't have to watch it necessarily. You can just listen to it because the dialogue between these two, is just bizarre is a word that I, I would use, but I think when it comes down to it, it's just a, it's a really interesting documentary at its core. It explores what life is like when you're not necessarily in the social spotlight. These guys were like debutantes. They were high society. And now they're literally at the point of this documentary Hanging out in this rundown mansion that, by the way, has since been restored. There's a great history behind it, but anyway, so I watched that, and then she recommended this other mockumentary from a uh, from a series called Documentary Now, and it's written by Seth Meyers, and um, it's uh, the one of the episodes parodies this documentary and it's called Sandy Passage and it's like 30 minutes of just hilariousness so watch the original documentary become engrossed in it and then immediately following that watch Sandy Passage the episode from documentary now because I guarantee you'll go from being like in awe and kind of fascinated to laughing hysterically
0: that's pretty interesting Uh, I like that I like the idea of that and it's cool that she recommended both to you yeah uh, in sequential order like that
1: so so, thank you, Courtney. I appreciate that.
0: Great, man. Um, yep. Well, that's that's good stuff. You know, I didn't – I actually, when you told me about that earlier this week that you were going to be watching Driving Miss Daisy, I realized that I've not seen that since childhood. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I don't even remember much about it other than the fact that he does drive Miss Daisy. Um,
1: which, yeah. Which <laughs> Spoiler is alert, sad. right? Spoiler and alert. <laughs> I was
0: on a, a message board thread just yesterday or the day before and someone had you know listed all of the best picture winners and and wanted us to check off which ones we had seen and i had forgotten that driving miss daisy won the oscar for best picture so there's that yeah yeah so both of those very interesting picks um and vastly different from kind of my week i would say (laughs) um so i started off my week by taking up your advice
1: Oh, yes. I love it when people take my advice. It boosts my ego enormously.
0: Well, good. You deserve it on this one. So last <laughs> last week on our episode, we talked, we both uh, had a, a Civil War-themed pick, and we discussed the movies Ride with the Devil and Beasts of No Nation. And your pick was Ride with the Devil. I had never heard of it before you brought it up. Didn't know anything about it. Um, I was I was incredibly intrigued by everything you told me. And... So I decided to check it out. Uh, I, that I pretty much agreed with everything you said in that episode. So, uh, at the risk of self promotion, I am directing everyone listening to go back to the ride with the devil and Beasts of no nation episode if you've not heard it. Um, it is good stuff, and especially his pick of ride with ride with the devil because he was spot on in everything he said. Um, it is a drama instead of a war film. It's a it's a it's a it's, a, it's, a, it's got the backdrop of the civil war, sure. But you know, it's really about people, and it's really about race, and it's really about uh, being accepted for who you are and not being labeled um, and being free. And I really enjoyed it, despite two pretty awful lead performances, which is which is interesting because the two leads were a hot mess. Um, but the rest, <laughs> the rest of the supporting cast really carried them through. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. So thank you for that. Good. Um, good. Second, I went and saw Ratchet, the, Ratchet and Clank, the movie, um, with my kids. We are huge fans of the video game. We've been playing the newest video game, which is tied to this movie. Um, Marketing-wise, they're, they're simil- their stories are kind of pieces of the same story. So we went and saw it. Uh, we enjoyed it. Ultimately, it's your typical video game movie, uh, whether live-action or animated, in that it is pretty forgettable. Don't really remember anything big about it coming out of it had fun while we were there, laughed, liked seeing our characters. Basically, it was like watching a very a very long cutscene from the video game, uh, which was fine. That's what I wanted it to be. So, we enjoyed that one. And lastly, I the other night after seeing Civil War, I came home with let's see how to say this, with an increased crush on a certain Elizabeth Olsen who plays Scarlet Witch. Um, for those of you that do not know, she is the sister of the Full House twins, Ashley and Mary Kate Olson. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, she is, and by far, by far the better actress. So <laughs> I I didn't really love her in Civil War because of her acting, I'll admit. Um this is a family podcast, so I'm not gonna you know, go into all the reasons that I like Elizabeth Olson, but we will say she has a great character. Scarlet which is pretty awesome. So I wanted to check her out and I did some Googling and I kept coming back to this, this one of her very first performances. It might've been her first. And it was, it's a movie called Marcy, Marcy, Martha, May Marlene.
1: That's a mouthful.
0: It is a mouthful. It's a lot of alliteration and it's hard. (laughs) Marcy, Marcy, Martha, May Marlene. It's really, really hard to roll off the tongue. But in this film, she plays a girl who is part of a cult. She's a young girl. It's kind of a younger version of a cult living out on a farm but it is pretty much modern times. And she escapes, or she leaves. And she then goes to live with her estranged sister. And it's it's really a psychological drama. And it, it's incredibly haunting, it's terrifying, just to watch her mentally try to navigate where she's at now versus the cult. And we we constantly kind of switch back and forth within scenes so we'll start a scene off in real time in the present and the scene will then mimic something like so so let's say she's a scene is progressing and they're they're going out to the river and then she goes to jump in the lake and all of a sudden when she's coming up out of the water now we've reverted back to her coming out of the water in the past when she was at the cult and we get to see some backstory
1: that's interesting. I like
0: it. That. It is. It's, very, it's a very good filmmaking device for this. Um, yeah. It, it's great for showing that kind of mental paranoia that she's going through. And that's really what this film ends up being about is she quickly uh, is breaking down okay. and becoming more and more paranoid that the cult is after her. And she's unable to talk about it. She's unable to have these conversations and, and really get to some healing. And so... There's not a lot of big reveals or, or special things that happen in the movie. It's, it's, it's truly a psychological drama, uh, but I really enjoyed it, and what everybody told me is absolutely correct. She was stellar. Um, so as an actress, I, I'm, she's one to watch okay. uh, for anything that comes out more critically acclaimed or more more of a you know critical performance than her Scarlet Witch would be.
1: Okay. I I will definitely look into that. Um is it a, I'm guessing based on how you described it it's not necessarily a happy film, not not an upbeat by any no. means.
0: No, I would not call it a uh a yeah, no. No. Definitely so, not a
1: happy film. So I would, like to, I would like to issue a personal challenge to my, uh, my co-host here that this week, I would like you to watch something that's going to make you walk away feeling very happy, whether you know you've you seen saying? it or not, because I've loved your picks and I've been really intrigued and I've actually checked out a few of them, but I need some happy in my life, man. I need some happy. And if you could provide that for me on your end, that would make me, well, it would make me happy. I, I gave you Ratchet and Clank. No, no, it no. It was happy. But, no, I said happy, not crappy. Oh, oh, burn. Okay. Burn. Plus, I'm not a big wow. video game. You know, That's I don't know property. So to me, it would look like just a hot mess.
0: It probably would not be good for you.
1: you know? Okay, so uh, <laughs>
0: challenge accepted. I'll see what I can come up with this week.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic.
0: Okay, so that being said, I think we're ready to jump in. Here's a quick refresher on what is going down in the MCU. This job, we try to save as many people as we can.
1: Sometimes that doesn't mean everybody. But you don't give up. New York. Washington, D.C. Sokovia Okay, that's enough Captain, people
0: are afraid That's why I'm here We need to be put in check Whatever form that takes, I'm game I'm sorry, Tony If I see a situation pointed south, I can't ignore it
1: Sometimes I wish I could Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. I know we're not perfect. But the safest hands are still our own.
0: All right. So, they're fighting. Duh. That's what I got out of it. They
1: are fighting. <laughs> Shocker.
0: Oh Marvel goodness. Universe
1: characters are fighting. Are you kidding me? This is just like happens. news newsflash.
0: Um, what I love about that part of the trailer that uh, we just listened to is that it it's it's a great summary of just specifically what leads up to the conflict without giving us any of the stuff that happens afterwards. Yeah. Um, so kind of it it, it kind of shows you what's what the key pieces and the key arguments are for both sides.
1: Previously on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That, you know
0: what they almost need that and and <laughs> they they almost do need that and they do they do a very good job of weaving kind of backstory and reminders into their their current movies each time yeah. but yeah and i'm looking at this i'm looking at this as
1: like what the 10th or 11th or i don't know how many movies into the mcu and being being a fan of of comics i this was a bold thing for marvel to do to, to basically say we're going to create continuity we're going to create a big universe that's going to be shared we're going to do this and do that and we're basically creating tie-ins to solo features so you have like the Avengers and you have these these group <laughs> these group movies that are sort of like the big big events like like Ultron and whatnot and I know that as a comic guy from a budget standpoint and from a continuity person uh, point of view, it's it. It can be frustrating. It can be frustrating to say I read Daredevil or I read X Men, and yet I've got to read all these other titles to know what's going on in this big epic story that's taking place in the comics world. And uh, and and I think they did a good job with the with the trailer to sort of do a, hey, this is what's happening. If you've if you've missed out on the other nine ten movies, <laughs> if you're just coming into this cold, here's here's what's happening.
0: Well, that's that's definitely a positive of the trailers. I will say that I'm not a fan of the trailers for these movies, and I was disappointed that I had seen anything. I tried to avoid it very, very much so, but uh, ultimately I had, you know, heard snippets of it while in the movie theater for others and and things, and so I kind of knew a little bit about what the specific arguments were already, and it just, man, it just took some of it out of me. I, I would have loved, loved to see to have seen spider-man for the first time spoilers by the way so i I just said something that's in the trailer so i think i'm still in the clear but if you don't know feeling film podcast we do not participate in the non-spoiler talk here we just don't see a reason for that we're not trying to talk you into going to see a film we are here to discuss it in depth from an emotional perspective and find out what you all thought about the film and how, how you reacted to the film and so we want you to listen to us after you've seen the movie so you can really dive deeper and then come talk to us about it.
1: So go away and then come back.
0: Exactly. And now that you're back, Spider Man was an awesome reveal. And although the reveal was different in the film than it was in the trailer, we knew he was coming and we knew that scene was coming, and it just it just took a lot of the amazingness of that specific scene out of it for me because I was like, Oh yeah. Well I know what's gonna happen, Spider Man's gonna come grab a shield, you know. Anyway. You're getting me off on a trailer right here. Let's do what we do. Let's back it up. I'm gonna back it up. Just back, back, back it up. That's my, beep, that's my Ant beep, Man. See? Beep, see, I'm going back beep, to Ant. I'm backing oh, it up to Ant Man. Um. Okay. So, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> immediate reaction from you, Patrick. What did you walk out of the theater feeling?
1: I I was really satisfied. I I I felt like that that was a good movie. That was a real good movie. And as I was thinking about my reaction, I was thinking, should I feel better about that? Should I feel like fist pump in the air? Should I feel like I need to go see that again? And I started questioning myself a little bit because it reminded me of, I guess it was several years ago. This was like a, the, the year of Avengers, you know, and I, I'd gone to go see it with a bunch of people at like a 10 o'clock feature or whatever. And I remember, and I think I, I don't know if I tweeted it or I texted you, but I remember you getting a response from me after I'd sent this, but I remember like summers officially began bring on the adventures. Great flick. And I remember just, I was, I was just absolutely blown away. I was like, this is fantastic. Uh, in, in Josh, Wheaton I trust at this point. I wasn't expecting that kind of response, but I was kind of disappointed that I didn't get that. Like I walked away going, okay, great. That was a great installment in the MCU. And uh, you know, look forward to seeing what's coming next. But I didn't walk away from that going, "Oh my gosh, I need to read some comics. I need to find out more about this. Um, I now have new favorite characters or whatever." And um, it, but but it wasn't it wasn't disappointment. It was just it was a sense of saying I, I didn't I, I didn't expect to be blown away, but I kind of did because I'm so used to what the MCU is is capable of, and so maybe. Maybe it's a little bit of um I don't know. I mean it was it was it was different. I wasn't disappointed by any means. I really liked it, but I wasn't blown away. What about you?
0: Fair, fair enough, man. I you know, I had a very similar reaction and I have I think something to say about that too later on, but um, something that ties into what you were just getting at a little bit more. But when I walked out or I well, let's, let's start with walking in. I walked in expecting Avengers level of excitement so I I like you walked out or w- walked in expecting to come out of that movie going oh my goodness there is nothing else that can live up to this all summer long and like you um I walked out the feeling that I, I was a little let down um and I and I didn't know why I I really needed to process and I'm glad that I didn't need to go home and record a podcast right afterwards because i don't think it would have done the film justice for me because i needed to go think about it for a while and i think that knowing what to expect from a formulaic standpoint kind of worked against this movie i I mean i agree civil war we knew what it was coming i've read pieces of the comics but not the whole comics run but even if you haven't read the comics you knew what was coming like the trailers you knew what the conflict was going to be right and while there's a great villainous thread throughout this film that we we were not expecting really there was so much of it that was just kind of telegraphed and there was not a lot that i didn't feel like i hadn't seen before um it was better in some ways but it wasn't new so i laughed a lot at the writing i smiled a lot but i had no plans of seeing it again now let me tell you what i did let's see i saw it on I saw it on a Tuesday. Three days after I saw it, guess what I did?
1: You saw saw it again? I
0: saw it again. So I asked my kids if they wanted to see it, and of course they did. And so I was like, you know what? Let's go. So we went. And I'm going to cheat here and give you my second immediate reaction. My second time watching this movie was infinitely better. And, And this is becoming a trend, and we've talked about it on this podcast before where movies like this specifically, bigger comic book heroes, blockbusters, things of this nature, we watch them with a certain set of expectations and a certain mindset the first time we go in. This time, I I let it all hang loose, and and I I, I just kind of didn't have any of that. I knew what I was going to get, and I went in looking for that specifically, and I had a blast. And I, I will admit it's a little skewed because I have my kids next to me. And for those of you that don't have the opportunity to do that, you may not have that same experience, but it could be similar to say watching it with a good friend. Who's also a comic book fan. Right. I expect that if I watched a movie with you in person, uh, if you and I went to civil war, that we would have a similar dialogue as my kids and I, from a visual standpoint, when laughing was occurring, looking at each other, like, Oh my God, did you see that?
1: You make a really great point about communal enjoyment. And uh, I hadn't thought about this, but I, I began to think about it. I think you and I went to go see – when you were in town several years ago, we went to go see The Amazing Spider-Man together. The, the
0: Andrew, Gar- Andrew Garfield's first one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we both walked away feeling pretty good about that one. I know I enjoyed we it quite did. a bit um, for, for several reasons. But I, I began to think you, – you brought up an interesting point because to me, I think maybe the movie experience, not necessarily for specific movies, but maybe for guys like us – the movie experience is a lot like watching NASCAR or watching boxing. These kind of not necessarily they're they're popular sports, but they're, but they've got a niche market. And if you don't experience them with someone who's jacked about the sport, like I didn't know anything about boxing until I started watching it with a buddy of mine who was a huge boxing fan and started inviting us over for pay-per-views. And I'm like, this is cool. And so now I'm starting to, I started following boxing, but then when that season of my life left me and that guy kind of moved on and, and we don't really hang out anymore, I'm not really a boxing fan anymore. And so I think there's a lot to be said about the enjoyment of, of a movie based on who you're with. And I, I love going to movies with my wife, but she's not a comic book fan. She enjoyed it. She got a lot out of it as far as it was entertaining for her, but it's not like going to it with someone like you we're looking for things specifically, we're going to both appreciate certain technical standpoints and emotional standpoints from it. And we're going to walk away maybe feeling elevated because we both connected on that. There's a sense of a me too, uh, ideology that exists with the movie experience. So that's a great point.
0: Thanks. I appreciate that. And then I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you said. And I wish, I wish that I had that kind of a movie buddy locally. I don't, um, and I know you don't either, which is kind of, kind of sad. Cause if we were together, you know, co-located, we would have each other and we could do this thing live. But a
1: little movie anyway, romance, is that what you're saying? A little movie romance? We bromance? Could have
0: a bromance, yeah. yes.
1: <laughs> I said That's it. Yeah, I can't take that ones. back. We can't edit that out, right? No. Edit can't. that
0: out. Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, yeah, so second, second viewing was, was a little better um, than the first. Pretty much everything stayed the same, mind you. My likes and my dislikes and what I felt about the film – the first time was not changed, but I just I just had a better experience overall. Um, I want to touch on something, so let's let's hit a couple things we didn't like, get those okay. out of the way because yeah. if you if this is your first time listening, um, what we like to do here is focus on the positive um, as much as possible. We try to we try to make ninety percent of this talk all about what we enjoyed of a film or or how it made us feel versus. Um, bagging on the parts that we didn't like there's always going to be something you don't like in a film but there's also always going to be something that is redeeming about a movie and we want to focus on that so one thing that you said in your introduction that made me kind of think of this is you talked about having seen this before having done this before kind of as good as it was it it didn't feel new and fresh anymore are we reaching a point of marvel fatigue or comic book movie fatigue?
1: You know, it's, it's, it's a legitimate concern. That's for sure. Um, when you, when you continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger, when it comes to stunts, when it comes to stories, when it comes to actors and whatnot, uh, there's that, there's that risk that you take of becoming somewhat repetitive. And that was definitely one of the issues that I felt, uh, came out of my experience of the movie it's interesting because I felt that in the back half of the movie, and I didn't feel it in the first half. And there was something in me that said, I don't like what's happening in this first half, and I don't know if it was because I didn't necessarily like some of the visuals or like some of the storytelling, or it was because this doesn't feel comfortable to me. This feels different. It felt like a drama. It did. I mean, it, it came across as more of, I mean, if, if you talk about the fight sequences specifically, there is a clear distinction in the first half of the movie with the fight sequences, particularly the ones like with Winter Soldier and, and the, one, the, the, first, the first battle sequence with, um, I don't remember the guy's name.
0: Crossbones.
1: Yeah, Crossbones, right, right. What a great name, and I forget oh, it. Oh, I know.
0: I wish they wouldn't have killed him so fast. He, he'd be, <laughs> he would have been a great reoccurring villain.
1: But he, But I'm watching this, and I'm going, is this a Jason Bourne movie? Is this, is this the Bourne, the Bourne like, Avengers? The, the Bourne Civil War or something? Because it didn't feel... Like this, this is not supposed to happen. And I felt a little put off by it. And then we get to the second half and we get to the airport sequence. And then, um, and we get to, uh, Iron Man and Captain America's, you know, singular showdown. And that felt more Marvel esque. And so I was a little, just kind of torn by going, this is ambitious. And it's a little too different for me. And then going, this is familiar. But now it's kind of formulaic, and 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 I I don't know if I like that disjointedness personally. I felt like, but I think you make a good point. That I, I think that Marvel t- fatigue does. I, I I don't know. We're we're eleven, ten, eleven movies in, and um, you know, what do you do next? And I think the Russo brothers are pushing that envelope a little bit. But uh, I don't know. What about you? What do you think?
0: Well, I think that since you mentioned them. Uh, and specifically the way that the direction of the film kind of is done. I think that they're fantastic. I I love the Russo brothers. I loved loved the disjointedness of it in a way. The two different competing ideas or halves uh, where we had more of a spy thriller drama in the first half and then we end up with a pure comic book blockbuster action movie in the second half. I, I really dug it. Um, I think that the Russo, Russo brothers are fantastic. And, I mean, I, I want them to direct all of the MCU films. <laughs> <laughs> no, but all the ones with lots and lots of superheroes, I just think that they have a deft touch in handling so many personalities at once. And I'll come back to that later. But, um, but I totally get what you mean. And for me, the Marvel fatigue is real. I am no longer as hyped about comic book movies. Uh, it, Doctor Strange... I, <laughs> i just it's like okay there's another character that's kind of a b-side character or you know and i don't mean (laughs) to offend anybody that's a doctor strange fan here i'm not saying he doesn't have an interesting origin story and that he's not an interesting character because he looks like a very interesting character and the movie looks like inception so i'm going to see it of course it's got benedict cumberbatch in it but but i'm not excited about it and one of the things that made me love ant-man so much and guardians of the galaxy so much and those are my two favorite marvel films i I mean well with the avengers the avengers one is up there too but it it really it's it's avengers for me winter soldier those two marvel films are are at the top Uh, but but then you have you know the kind of offshoot ones that aren't really part of that main main core group that is the mcu it's kind of kind of different stories and that's the ant-man and guardians of the galaxy and you can tell those are different i mean they're different they're smaller and i think the russo brothers tried to do that with this one they tried to bring it down this is a human conflict this is not you know we've we've blown up carriers. you know we've blown up (laughs) we've blown up an entire country of sokovia and and now we had to bring it down bring it down a notch yeah um so yes anyway marvel fatigue is real for me um it's it's been a bit of a turnoff there's i don't know how many comic book related uh, property movies this year, uh, there's over probably ten between DC, Marvel, and IDW, Turtles, and all this other stuff. And uh, you know, I don't know how much I can take. To be honest, it's it's there's it, it pushes me toward other things because they do start to feel repetitive.
1: Well, let me defend it for just a second because you mentioned the two movies that you like the most. You have Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant Man, which are smaller properties. They are less well known. Or else, they probably would have been in the you know the thick of the original phase one, phase two, whatever. And uh, we we made an argument, or we we talked about this, I think over over the interwebs about the power of IPs. I think we talked about it on our on our um, summer summer challenge, uh, which we're going to win hands down. Let me just say that, guys. Okay.
0: Oh, popcorn theology is toast.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, toast with butter and jelly. I mean, it's just anyway. I digress. So we were talking about the idea of how s- there are so many IPs. And I think that the struggle that maybe creators have to come up with original stories, I think there's a similar kind of um, ideology when it comes to those smaller Marvel movies. They weren't original. I mean, they're not original properties. and They're not they're IPs. They're established properties. But the stories were sort of disconnected from the rest of the bigger thing, the rest of the what's going on. Yes, there were connections. You have to make those connections when it comes to MCU. But they felt like their own tales. They felt like... They didn't need Avengers to be Ant-Man. You know, you don't need Avengers to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Those things existed on their own. Besides the fact that they were just, build as action comedies, you know, as opposed to these later films that have been more drama. And I think you're right. I think the Russo brothers tried to humanize, and and for the most part, I think they did really well, humanizing this, this, this story to bring more people in. Because I think you and I would both agree that it's not just Marvel fatigue. I'm getting universe saving fatigue at this point
0: yeah that's what i meant yeah it's yeah. it's definitely not just mcu it's it's across the board
1: yeah so i think there's just this um yeah i, I agree with you
0: all right well let me rattle off a couple of the other things that i did not like about the film and you can uh either agree or refute these that one in line with the marvel fatigue or the repetitiveness i felt like for me we're getting to a point where there are so many characters and I love it. I love it. I love them. And I think one of my strengths of this film is that it did not feel overcrowded despite there being at one time, 12 superheroes fighting in a battle. I'm amazed at how well they kept my attention and didn't make me feel like I was, it was overdone, but personality wise, I am starting to feel like everybody is a snarky, quippy character yeah they're they're all like that i mean you've got tony you've got ant-man hawkeye i mean all these guys are the one-liners are one of the best parts of the films because they're they're hilarious but when you have one coming from everybody it starts to get to where everybody's just blended together and i don't i don't see a lot of difference in their personalities you know black widow stands out because she's not that way she doesn't talk that way ever. She just doesn't, and so you know she's unique. She's got a unique personality, and uh, so that's just that's kind of like a. Uh, I don't know. I hope they're gonna stay away from that. I like Black Panther. He didn't. He didn't seem that way. So
1: Black Panther. Every time I hear the name Black Panther, I can't help but think about Forrest Company. Sorry to interrupt your Black Panther party. I mean, it's oh just, I don't God. know why. It's just, <laughs> like, I gotta stop. It's just so yeah, bad. That's there. <laughs> um,
0: I felt like. One of my favorites is Martin Freeman. I love Martin Freeman and a lot of TV stuff he's done. Um, Not so much his movies yet. I mean, he tried Bilbo and he did a great job as Bilbo. But I mean, overall, those films do not live up. We're not going to talk about The Hobbit right now because The Hobbit is my favorite book of all time. I'll put that out there and I'm not thrilled with what I got. Um, But Martin Freeman is a great actor and I felt like he was wasted. He he was Mm. literally a throwaway character in this film and it's like why why are you even why are you even casting him at this point so my hope is that he's gonna he's gonna play in with later movies you know what i mean he's gonna have some moments that that carry over in the mcu and we'll get to see him later I, ideally i want to see him in dr strange uh because then we can get a nice little cumberbatch freeman reunion going on from the sherlock <laughs> days
1: <laughs> that would be great he might become the next uh, agent coulson that we see kind of threaded through the next uh phase. Could.
0: yeah that's that's not that's not a far off uh, prediction i like that um fight sequences while they were phenomenal and we're going to talk about some in detail the beginning especially the shaky cam was too much for me i couldn't yeah. follow them um i i was the second this is part of the what made the second viewing better knowing what those fight sequences were going to be knowing what to expect, where the camera was going to go before it went there. I was able to enjoy them a lot more and see a lot more of the action. But that first time, couldn't do it. It was, like, all over the place, didn't know what was going on. Just, it was bonkers. My daughter leaned to me at one point and said she had gotten people confused because she couldn't couldn't keep them apart. (laughs) And and that's a shame because the fight sequences themselves are incredible. And if you check our Twitter and Facebook, I don't know about Twitter, but I know it's on Facebook. Um, I posted an article or a video of the practical effects that were done in this film. And it's unbelievable. I thought they were all CGI, but there was a ton of practical effects. And, um, so yeah, these fight sequences are, are so well choreographed that there was no need for that camera to be just shaken all over the place,
1: all over the place. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and ultimately,
1: um,
0: my biggest problem with the film is that I never felt like the stakes mattered Mm. and the, the, the Avengers for, for the airport scene, they could have arm wrestled for the right to take control of Bucky. Like, I mean, they weren't going to try and hurt each other. They made that very clear by telling you it several times in dialogue. Sure. You know, there's a scene with Clint and Natasha and you know, it's, you're going to go easy on me, right? Well, it depends on how hard you kick me, me. you know, like they're very, very intentionally, you know, they're friends. And they're, what are they fighting for at this point? They're just, they're, I don't even know that they believe in what they're fighting for. We should go into that. But I, I didn't feel like the stakes mattered. And I felt like the, the movie chickened out in following through on its very complicated theme of collateral damage. It, it starts the film off and, and everything leading up to this whole issue of the Accords is about New York and Lagos and Sokovia And and, and all of this damage, Washington, D.C., all the damage that is done, all the people that die when the Avengers are trying to save the world. Mm -hmm. And then the Avengers take different sides of the, the argument, and they're never once put in a position that they have to make a choice. And I thought that was the most egregious error of this film made because we talked all movie long about how. You know, Caps talks and says, you know, I, I can't, I have to, to try. I have to save even one person. I can't not try that. But then they never are put in the position. We, we fight in an airport where there's nobody there.
1: Yeah, I, I, I found that really interesting. I thought, okay, where did everybody go? I don't know if that was ever explained, but now we're in an abandoned airport and the collateral damage become punchlines to jokes. Yeah.
0: And, and I, think, I think that the film's reasoning is we're intentionally going to this abandoned airport because we don't want to have collateral damage. But for me as a, as a viewer, what I want to know out of this story is but what happens the next time we have to deal with it? What happens right. the next time we have right. to make a choice right. of get the bad guy at all costs or let the bad guy do and do a dangerous thing and risk him killing more people? And that's the choice I want to see them have to make, and they never had to do that.
1: So my hope uh, in response to that is that the Russo brothers, I don't know if they're doing the now untitled, what was called Infinity War. My hope is that that particular event plays out. These guys that are on both sides of it are driven to a place, driven to an event where lives are about to be sacrificed, where collateral damage is going to take place. And we see the fallout of that from both sides. That's what I hope. That is what I really do hope happens. I don't know if it will. I hope it does because this is, you know, this was a big idea that was preached. And if you don't pay it off, because there is no resolution. I mean, we know that. There was not a resolution. I mean, we see two sides. You know, we see a a house divided. But we're not just looking for resolution. We're looking for journey to that resolution.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I just, I think... You know, along those lines, I I hope that that's what is going to happen too, bro. I really do, and I and I think, I think it will. I mean, I have faith in MC in Marvel and the MCU. None of these films are bad; they're all no. really good movies. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm splitting hairs here, but for a film that really took it to a different level ideologically, I, I didn't feel like they they owned it, and and they could have done this another way too. Very simply, War Machine needed to die, and I'm sorry, but multiple reasons Cheadle is old (laughs) he's very clearly (laughs) aging he's not going to be able to be around much longer and be in these films anyway so what is the point of holding on to him at this point if he had died from this conflict we're on a whole new level of serious now like it is it is on and we need now have to deal with the repercussions and the consequences of our choices and they they chickened out they, they couldn't go through with it they gave us the oh maybe he's gonna die oh but he'll be saved by tony stark's tech and it's all good yeah. and even the comic books sometimes have the guts to kill characters off and yeah they may bring them back you know a couple years later drop them into a resurrection uh pool or, <laughs> or whatever the case may be which is fine we all love that because we don't want to see him go away but for the sake of this story i think we needed to lose him yeah and, and it, that was a poor choice to not yeah. do so
1: I agree. I absolutely agree with that. And I think that Tony Stark, because the theme of his, the the motive of his, of his, the whole movie is guilt. It's all guilt. And then you couple that with... The motive
0: of Tony Stark's entire arc
1: since Iron Man 1 (laughs) has been guilt. This is is true. But he's now coupled it with vengeance. And to see not only... um, vengeance for his parents but now vengeance for war machine how i mean just how much more that intense that would i would have bought into that because having one having having the loss of your parents that's heavy and that not resolved, that's heavy but then you've lost a current member one of your best friends uh, to
0: your teammates whether so, yeah. it's an accident or not it's because exactly. of the it's because you chose to fight cap cap didn't bring the yeah. fight to you you right. brought the fight to cap yeah and you made that choice and now Rodi has died because of it. And yeah. now you've got to have that on your conscience because your parents aren't your fault. Right. It sucks. But it's not yeah. your fault. Right. But Rodi would have been your fault. Right. And so yeah, I would have loved I just would have loved to see that. So I mean listen, we're not we're not gonna beat a dead horse. Again, I don't wanna I don't wanna say this means I didn't like the movie. I liked the movie <laughs> a lot. And we're gonna move on um and bring this up and talk about all the amazing things that they did get right. Um but that was just a, a choice that like I said I don't even want to say they got it wrong because they didn't get it right or wrong. And this is how you and I both feel about storytelling is there often is not a most of the time. There's not a right or wrong. There's choices, right?
1: Correct. Not right. I said, right. Yeah. I knew what you meant, (laughs) but
0: but there's, there's choices that are made and, and Mm -hmm. you know, you get a different story depending on the different choice. And I, I just would have preferred a different one, different direction at that point of the story. Yeah. So, so Patrick, sir let's talk about all of the amazing things about this film and i'm going to start by asking you a question
1: okay ask me a question
0: a lot of people online that i've read have well i will say i have seen very mixed reactions to the villain and i have seen a lot of commentary about how he's a cookie cutter villain there's nothing exciting about him he's pretty boring and a big conflict of a bunch of superheroes we don't even get a super villain um, and you know we they would have we didn't get the the other winter soldiers he didn't even bring them out like he just killed them um, we didn't get to see them and so he's just a throwaway could have been anybody kind of boring filler guy villain um, what do you think about that because you didn't mention it in your dislikes?
1: Um, I actually thought he was great by the end of the film. And there's a, there's a moment, um, that I, I, am pretty, I'm pretty dense when it comes to like subtlety in movies. I have to watch things multiple times to feel smart about catching things, or I have to get my guys over at screen rant or other movie review places to tell me what I missed. But the, the voicemail that he, he read, or sorry, not read, but listen to several times. I'm like, why, why is he listening to this voicemail? The first time by the third time, seeing the emotional weight of him holding on to that voicemail. I don't know if it was two or three times, but the last time that we see him, it was, yeah, it was two. That's right. I remember now. Uh, the, the second time that, that he listened to it and then deleted it, it really made me understand when we got the explanation of why he did what he did. um, that it, it rounded out his character for me you know we didn't know what was going on I, I didn't know really what was going on through a good part of the film and then we start getting to know more about what his motives are and i connected with that i connect with that idea that you know what i'm not out just it it, it reminded me a lot of heath ledger's portrayal of the joker that he wasn't out to get money he wasn't out to to do anything that a typical villain would do he's just out as, as Michael Caine would say, to watch the world burn. You know, I mean, he would do that. And I think Zemo, his motive was simple. And it was, it was connective. Like, I could connect with that motive. I can't connect with, I want to take over the world, you know, or anything like that. I can't do that. That doesn't feel that I connect to it. And I thought that his motive and the way that he went about doing it was great. I loved it.
0: That's awesome. I, I, I agree Wholeheartedly, I absolutely loved him. He was one of my favorite villains up there with Loki. Um, and that's because of how real his reasonings was or were. Um, you know, he I, I just want to debunk some of this stuff that I've heard online. And I know someone listening is probably thinking this and I want to go over this with you um, so that maybe it can help you think about this in a different way i've heard things said like you know how could he have done these things basically the main argument is everything worked out like a deus ex machina it was too perfect like how could you have ever expected to have iron man and captain america there to fight and all of this other stuff right everything worked out just like perfect 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 we are talking about a high level elite soldier slash spy in the sokovian whatever special forces um So this guy has experience and he has ability. He tells us in the film that he's spent like a year decrypting the files that Black Widow put out. So he's, he's done his homework. Um, He found out about Tony's parents uh, in Siberia. He, he didn't know that he, he was trying to figure these things out, but that was the whole point like of the film. He's like following these rabbit trails and, and, and moving along as he goes Right? He finds, about, he finds out about him by getting the book and then getting the mission report that he's been after the whole darn film. Mission report, mission report, mission report. <laughs> um, he's like very solid on this. And, <laughs> you know, he, the fact that he could impersonate the UN guy not it doesn't surprise me. He, again, he's a top level spy here, he's a top level operative. Um, and then he, he goes on to make sure that Tony finds out. That Bucky is in- innocent. That is one of the key things. Like, he intention. These are little little things in the Marvel movie that that I I was blown away at the detail by. So, he doesn't have to release the image of quote unquote Bucky when he's got a. It's the other guy with a you know prosthetic on. Right. He's in, he's he's very careful to make sure that image gets out to the public. Right. And they discuss this in the film how that makes them then go after Bucky, make sure that he gets captured so that Zemo will know where he's going to be. But then he ensures that the dead UN guy gets found. He makes the call to order breakfast because he wants her to come in. He wants her to find him dead, which then gets that released out to the public, which then means Tony now finds out, Oh my bad, I'm wrong. So he is intentionally crafting this, manipulation of getting them to fight each other, all working toward, you know, the the climactic time of Tony finding out what's gone on in the past and it's like it is one of the most psychological deconstructions of a team. He says it himself. He says, you know, if you if an empire crumbles from outside, it can rise up again. If an right. empire crumbles from inside, it it's going down. And that's what his goal was was not to it was not to kill all of the Avengers. It was to cause a fracture that was going to do what we saw happen in this movie. And he was on it. It worked like a charm.
1: Yeah, and I, it's a shame that that whole thing, it was a great, by the way, a great breakdown of that. Because, I, I mean, I've, yeah, I think that there, it's a shame that that gets lost because of, I'm going to go back to one of my earlier points, the expectation that we have of what a Marvel movie should be it gets lost in that because we don't expect that. And I think it takes a second viewing to say, okay, I'm going to catch these things and now it looks like something different and I think the the directors and the creative team they wanted that. And I think that's where it was successful. Like I think if I go see it a second time or, you know, in the theater or whenever, knowing what I know now and having time to digest it just like you did, I think I'm going to enjoy it more if I look at it from that perspective. Yep. And I think I I think it'll elevate it even more beyond that. And it's going to be a different kind of response. It won't be like, "Welcome to summer." It's going to be like, "Dude, watch out spy films because we got something going on in the MCU that's competitive, you know?"
0: Absolutely. To- yeah. And and thank goodness they didn't do the super soldier subplot, too. That's that's another one I've heard you know, criticisms of, you know, maybe they should have done that. Like we didn't even get to see, they brought, brought up these awesome five super soldiers and we didn't even get to see them fight. Why do we need to see them fight? We know that they can kick Bucky's butt. Like we know that what they can do, we don't need to see that. And the beauty of that is Zemo knew what they could do either too. And for Zemo, if he, you know, he kills them and everybody, I, I saw lots of reaction. Like, why would he, what in the world? Why would he kill them? Why wouldn't he use them to fight the Avengers? Again, not the point. You don't want to get them from the outside. You want to get them from the inside. And Zemo hates superhumans. Why would he unleash these other superhumans into the world? Like, it was a beautiful red herring. Beautiful red herring. He made them think that's what he wanted to do. When in reality, if they would have stopped and thought about it, the guy is doing all of this because... Well, I guess they didn't know at the time, so they couldn't have stopped and thought about it. But when in reality, (laughs) he... despises their existence because of what they've caused him and what law lo- what the loss he has had. So he would never yeah. want to do that. Uh and it was just it was it was brilliant because it was a legitimate enough threat that it ha- drew Captain America out. He had to go. Yeah um he couldn't ignore it.
1: So absolutely great stuff man. Um I I I had some skepticism going into the movie. I unlike you, I, I watched the trailer And, um, I'm going to confess this, what I, this moment had, well, okay, let me just say this. I watched the trailer and I saw Spider-Man like most people. And like most people, I kept replaying the final three seconds of that trailer and hear him saying, Hey guys, Hey guys, Hey guys. I mean, that was going through my headphones, you know, the multiple times I'm trying to analyze and figure out, you know, what's the scoot. And the first thing I thought was like, that looks really too CG. That guy does not even fit. I'm having a real hard time looking at this, what looks like a 1970s looking spider outfit, this young kid doing whatever. And I remember having a conversation with my buddy Joey about that. And he said, you know, we haven't seen the full, we haven't seen, we haven't gotten the full meal here. We haven't seen the full film. We don't know what it looks like in context. We've seen two seconds of a clip with him. And that is part of my motivation for this podcast is to say, look, quit judging, enjoy the film, make your own assessment and you know what i'm sold tom holland is great i i fell in love with him and i thought he as as a character he owned this young peter parker um I, i was such a skeptic when i first saw that but then you see him in context you see him in this fight sequence and you go man he's he's not a throwaway i knew in my head that he came in and you know, and this was kind of part of introducing him. And so it did feel a little wedged, but it didn't feel awkward. It didn't feel uncomfortable. I mean, he, it was this, I mean, it felt, he felt natural in those, in the moments that he had, he felt completely natural in his role as uh, as an as I say that about Holland as an actor and, and Spider-Man as a character within this, he fit, he didn't look awkward. And, uh, and, and I gave him, I, I, I just kind of shook my head and said, yep, I was an idiot. Um, because he, he owned, I mean, He's he's my new Spider Man and I and I'm I'm an Andrew Garfield guy. If I'm gonna pick my Spider Man, Andrew Garfield is gonna be my my first. But I you know I, I loved him. Tom Holland was great.
0: I was a Andrew Garfield guy as well, and I too was blown away. I think like most of the world by Tom Holland. Um, yeah, these he was phenomenal. He's perfect, man. Um, just as as Spider Man and as and really I think what nails it is he's he's perfect as Spider Man and as Peter Parker yes absolutely we've, we've had a hard time getting a guy that can do both um Perfect. and and he nailed it I mean <laughs> oh I just laugh and just thinking about like every moment with this guy on screen was pure gold he was a phenomenal and it, it just him getting embarrassed about the spider suit and yes I, I love when Tony's like what, what do they call you spiderling Spiderboy? spider boy crime fighting spider and he's like no spider 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 man you know, and it's just a look on his face, and he's then not confident at all. <laughs> not at all. And then there's that moment where he's sitting on the bed, and this almost made my top scene list. But that moment where he's sitting on the bed, and Tony's they're having they get into like more of an emotional discussion, and yeah, about what he's what he's doing with his life and why he's fighting crime, He's trying to you know doing it for the little guy. And Tony gets up and he walks over to the bed, and it's clear Tony's gonna sit down on the bed, and he's just like can you can you move the leg I'm gonna sit here and, oh and it's like it's like this great like mentor and protege moment And, yeah. and it, it almost made me feel like at the time it, it could have easily been a Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland moment yeah. or a blooper because it was like that kind of oh yeah yeah you're Robert Downey Jr. you're Iron Man you I yeah. need to let you oh, my bad my bad sir yeah. Mr. Stark you know yeah and just everything about Spider-Man in this movie uh, is is phenomenal I got there's a point I got to make the um you probably didn't catch this but I found it really hilarious for some reason. <laughs> In the final scene, the post-credit, post-post-credit scene, the last last one, because um, there's two, and the one where Spider-Man has the cool little wristwatch like spider signal thing, yeah, <laughs> that you can like yeah. put on the ceiling. There is an icon for a Snapchat app.
1: <laughs> an oh ice. my gosh! Are you kidding me? <laughs>
0: no, I was dying when I saw it. I was SMH. was like, is that a, is that a Snapchat <laughs> icon? <laughs> and so. I, uh, I I paid attention to it the second time, and sure enough, that's what it was. That was great. But yeah, I wonder if, he, Spider- I
1: wonder if, I wonder if he's on the gram. <laughs>
0: I, he probably oh, – you had to get that in there again, didn't you? I know, I did. Sorry. I thought we've talked about this, and you were going to stop calling it the gram.
1: Sorry. Oh, it yeah. was confirmed by a millennial. that That's what they call it. So,
0: oy, 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 oy. Uh, so Spider-Man, big thumbs up. Yeah. Um, Ant-Man, big thumbs up. Yes. I, let's save him for now um, okay. until we get to some favorite scene talk. Um, cause he didn't have a huge role other than the big battle, but I mean, yeah. just those two being in that battle, it, it was amazing. And actually, let me, let me digress for a second because this, this may t- this is not really a negativity type thing, but I, I, I was curious about this. So we have Ant-Man and, and Spider-Man who are probably the two biggest players in this big battle and they're definitely the biggest comic relief in the big battle. Why are they there? And I I ask that almost rhetorically because Ant-Man's there because someone recruited him. Someone said, hey, you like Captain America. You're a big fan. Come here. Come fight. So he comes. He has no ideological reason to be there. He has no reason to protect what Captain America is protecting. He's there because someone recruited him. Spider-Man is the same way. And I I almost judge Tony Stark a little bit because he went – he had 36 hours. He crucial time. He uses that time to go in recruit Spider-Man. But Spider-Man isn't fighting for Tony Stark because he agrees with the ideals. You know, there's that's never shown to us. It's just he's just there because he went to recruit him. He goes and he gets this very raw teenager who's never been in a battle to our knowledge. We've seen him stopping a car. You know, we haven't seen him fighting a villain. And he brings him into this major fight. And yes, again, we knew the stakes were low. They weren't going to kill each other. But just the judgment of that, like how far Tony Stark had been, go- had was going in my opinion, that was a good a, a sign of how far he had gone. Like how much he was kind of believing in this at this point for him to go recruit Spider-Man. And it was funny because Spider-Man and Ant-Man, who both, in my opinion, did not belong there, they were brought in to make it cooler and bigger and more awesome. And then that they did, but they were the best parts of that fight and they shouldn't have been there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a little bit of a uh, cinema eye candy, I guess you could say.
0: I guess. The, I don't know. I, I just, and, I, maybe I'm, and, am I crazy?
1: No. I mean, there are legitimate arguments to be made on, on purpose of why things are there. I mean, if we're going to look at it from an audience point of view, Spider-Man was brought in because... Sony agreed to let the MCU use him and to create a solo film and he needed a jumping on point. And I will say this, his jumping on point while it didn't necessarily make complete sense in the movie, didn't feel awkward. It didn't feel like he was just thrown in at the last minute. He had some backstory and, and, and again, those are, I'll I'll talk about that when we get into our favorite scenes, but same thing. I think, I think Spider-Man here's my theory. Spider-Man gets hired, you know, he's like, okay, we can use him, And they're like, you know what? We need somebody to fight him. <laughs> so let's get Ant-Man. Let's get some other comic relief going
0: that's, on. Here. That's a good point.
1: Because, the, because, yeah. because there's, an, there's an argument to be made. And, and I've heard, I've, I've read reviews, uh, particularly a very, very intelligent review about the movie that one of the dislikes of this person was that he didn't like the pairing off. It felt very, very choreographed. Like you had hmm. these two people fighting and these two people fighting. And I'm like, yes, for sure. Absolutely, but then if you made the whole movie the Jason Bourne style, everybody talks about that particular fight sequence. Why? Because it's big and because it's awesome. But it's it's and it's and it's thematic and it's very well choreographed. But at the end of the day, the reason why people like that, at least one major reason, is because they understand it. They can physically take everything in. You get a break from from Hawkeye and natasha you get you get a break from these people you know you flip different places and i think joss whedon did this in the avengers he did it i think a little bit more creatively when he zoomed in on individual avengers doing their thing but giving them their own space and i think that's why this fight sequence was so great was that it gave these individual characters space to be able to crack their jokes be able to show off the choreography even though we knew in the back of our heads because they preached it to us and because we just know nobody's going to necessarily die here. Nobody's trying to kill anybody. So I think, I think it's one of those things that's like, it's so great visually, but it doesn't really make a ton of sense, like logistically and even philosophically.
0: Oh yeah. You got to let it go. I, I, and I'm okay with that. I just, I had to point it out. Um, so we we are going to get long, but there's a couple more things we really need to talk about before we get into our favorite scenes. So, one of those is Black Panther.
1: Dude, loved it. I, I got to know, I gotta loved know what you thought loved about him.
0: Black Panther. You loved him. So I loved him too. Um, I, just for me, one thing, I loved his costume. I loved his action sequences. The chase scene with him was phenomenal uh, where he's going through the tunnels and you know riding on the back of the car and all that good stuff. Um, I love the fact that when he lands, it's completely silent. <laughs> compared to the other superheroes. In fact, I, I paid attention to this the second time around. There were multiple times where someone else would land, and he would land next to them, and it would be a thump, <laughs> and then it would be nothing. And I was like, "Oh, that's brilliant! Like that's subtlety, right? That's that's yeah. awesome." Um, and then, you know, most importantly, I felt like T'Challa was the one character who had an actual beginning to end kind of arc. I agree. Story.
1: That's a great point. Yeah,
0: he starts off and he is a victim because his father is killed. Mm. Um, he then becomes vengeful and lashes out um, kind of going against what he had agreed to even reluctantly. And he admits he reluctantly agreed to the accords like, but he just you know, thought it needed to be done. He was going to back his dad and he he, 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 he lashes out against that vengefully to go after Bucky. And it all comes full circle to the end where he says with Zemo, he's, he puts claws in like quite literally he retracts his claws and he says, you know, I am done being consumed with ven- vengeance, or I think he says vengeance. I can't remember the word, but I'm, I'm con- being done being consumed with hate or vengeance. Um, and I thought that was just so great because you got to see this character go through an entire transition. He fights. He, he starts off. It's, it's him against everybody. You know, him against Bucky. He's going after Bucky, and they're just kind of all in his way. And then you end up seeing him on Tony's side because he realizes, you know what? Maybe I'm not stronger by myself.
1: Yeah. Did you have something? I, no, I was just I was just going to say I agree with that and I think that um what he represents in terms of his whole arc to me solidified I, I think I mentioned earlier that there's these opposing there, there were opposing visuals but I think there were I say opposing there were there were distinctly different visuals but there were also to me distinctly different themes or at least distinctly distinct <laughs> themes. The idea of you got guilt and vengeance, accountability, friendship, convictions, things like that. What I latched onto personally was I think what he came to the conclusion of. This idea of vengeance and, and friendship and saying, look, what's worth paying for? What's worth going after? Is it worth? I mean, and I, and I think in a lot of ways, man, I mean, that really overshadowed the whole Civil War stuff. Like in some ways I felt like, I felt like the, the second half of the movie was less about the, the, the government versus the, you know, the, the, the responsibility of, of being in check versus being on your own. I felt like that kind of went by the wayside and his arc really brought me around to the, what I thought was the bigger theme. And that's, uh, that of is vengeance a good thing? Is it a virtue? Is it something worth pursuing? And of course, personally, I agreed with the conclusion that he came to, which is vengeance does not necessarily equate to something good. Justice does. Well, we see that, did, and we, we do see it it, because
0: Tony is the, the the opposite, right? Tony is there true. for vengeance at the end. True. Tony's going after Bucky for the he's going after Bucky for the exact same thing.
1: True. Black true. Panther
0: goes after him because Bucky killed his dad, but it wasn't right. really Bucky. Tony's right. going after Bucky because Bucky killed his parents, but. Bucky didn't really technically kill his parent, you know. You know what I mean, like from a mental standpoint. But Tony's Tony can't stop. Tony's Tony's willing to go all the way, and he but doesn't. Again, he doesn't redeem at the end of that. He doesn't say, "I learned my lesson." But he don't just gets you see?
1: Beat. Yeah, but don't you see what I'm saying? That now those themes are really dominating more than we should be put in check because we're superheroes. I mean, again, oh, I, felt, I felt like that just sort of like I think the Russo brothers, the whole team, said, "Okay, we've gotten that out of the way to set up this big." airport sequence and now we're getting into the meat of what we of the story we want to tell and i think that's what's great about movies it's the exploration of ideas and themes and there was some great exploration when it came down to how strong is friendship i mean we see that with cap i mean cap fights for bucky and i loved it i absolutely loved it and i was like look i know that bucky did these things And he even says in that in one of of the great lines that I barely remember because I only saw it once was when he's in the plane with with Cap and Cap says, you know, that you weren't conscious of what you were doing. He goes, yeah, but I did it anyway. I still did it. And that's such a I mean, gosh, that's such a heavy weight to go. Man, can a person live with the consequences of their actions, even if they weren't in their right minds? And that gets into psychological stuff and insanity, and de- you know, points of depression. Like, do you do things because of your illness, or do you do th- or is it, is there something else going on? And and I again, I just I, lo- I latched onto those things, and I think I think the the creative team behind this movie really found their found their groove in the back third of the movie with with exploring those things. And I was kind of glad they did away with the whole, you know. Should we be regulated by the government? Because that's like, okay, I know that story. And and it's very much, yes, it's very much a parable of kind of where we're at and whatever, but this is a you know, the, the personal themes that kind of ran through were there. And I think that uh, I think that the Black Panther arc really helps solidify that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that the the the, the Civil War conflict, as you stated, you know, it, in a lot of ways it's I'm team both. Because there's right and wrong for both, and I don't know that there's a right answer, honestly. Like they, I don't know that there's a right. They both have valuable uh, pros to them. Whereas when you're talking about vengeance, it's pretty much there's. We know the answer to that one. You know what I mean? Like there's there's not there's not a question to that answer. And so I like that that was explored in detail toward the end as well. And and I love that you brought up Cap, and that's part of Cap's personality. They showed it so well. Is Things like um, Falcon, you know, saying, you know, are you sure you want to do this? And Cap's like, yeah. And he's like, because when people shoot at you, they, they usually end up shooting at me too. <laughs> and, yet, and yet there's no question in his mind what he's going to do. He's not, yeah. and I, I mean, he may have his own opinions and he states them at the beginning like he's kind of against the whole Accords thing. But it doesn't matter. Cap could have said whatever he wanted. He's going to support Cap because Cap is his friend. Exactly. And because he trusts cap as a leader yeah and tony can't bring himself to do that um anything else no i think
1: i think i think we kind of hit the the many high notes that were a part of this movie
0: all right so i'll kick us off um we're gonna go over our three favorite scenes from the film which was incredibly difficult I don't know whether it's a positive or negative that this is the case, but lining it up, I actually had to, I had to think about it after watching it the first time. The second time really solidified these. But there's so many great one-liners and punchline jokes here <laughs> yeah. that I could make a top ten of those. Um, right. So I had, to, I had to be careful with that because I didn't want those all to be my favorite scenes. But, <laughs> man, the dialogue as a whole is an honorable mention because it's just so great. It feels like you're reading a comic book. Yeah, they nail that tone at marvel one of my honorable mentions though that i that i just left off was the the voicemail that you mentioned by zemo when he listens to that the second time and i and you have that emotional moment and that emotional response of oh, they die you know because you don't know yeah. who he says he lost everything he doesn't say what he lost that's the first time you realize yeah. that's what he lost that was yeah. so powerful for me
1: yeah, and, and, and I, just like you, that second time around, I, I just realized at that moment, oh my gosh, they're dead. <laughs> I thought, I don't know, the first time I was like, I don't know why he's listening to this voicemail. Is he just getting it because he's gone? Yep. And, yeah. And That's then the what second I thought time, too. And I'm like, oh, 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 you know, I just, I couldn't breathe for a minute. <laughs> gave,
0: you some, some, gave you some sympathy for him. Yeah, it really did. Okay, so my number three is kind of a sequence of scenes leading up to this or, or cheater, it's se- cheater, it's se- cheater, it's a sequence. I, you got, it's all part of the same theme to me. Okay. Um, and it starts when cap, I guess it's all one scene. Actually. It starts when cap and Bucky and Falcon drive up in a slug bug to retrieve <laughs> their weapons from, uh, Sharon Carter.
1: I'm laughing. Cause I know what scene you're talking about. <laughs>
0: and the first thing that happens is we flash to the car and Bucky says, can you move your seat up? And Falcon goes, no, (laughs) don't even look back. And that moment made me feel so in tune with these characters because that was a moment of two guys with the same best friend, old best friend and new best friend don't like each other. And it's almost like they're, they're not fighting over a girl. They're fighting over their best friend. Right. Yeah. And And so it's just a great, it shows that in that one quick moment it shows you that. And then it carries through. So you don't just get that they 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 don't like each other, which you get some more of that earlier on Falcon is is great for that kind of commenting. But then you see Cap, you know, goes goes on, ends up kissing her and the the look on his face after he's kind of he kind of turns his head and kind of grins a little bit and shakes his head and looks back at the car. And all you see is—I mean, it, it had to be maybe one and a half seconds long, maybe two tops. I mean, it didn't—it didn't linger. And you see both Bucky and Falcon grin, and and the subtlest of head nods. And it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, yeah. and it was—it it, just—it completely made me feel like I was there and I was one of those guys. Yeah. And, and it was like, this is exactly what would happen if it was me and my boys. And I finally got the kiss with the girl and they're there and they're in the backseat and doesn't matter. If they don't really like each other right now. They love me. I'm cap. They love me. And they're, there supporting me and they're just happy for me. And it was just, I had the biggest smile on my face
1: during that Great. scene. I did too, man. I, and I think in between that, he, uh, when, when, <laughs> when, when, Buck wants to have him move his seat up, you see him just suddenly like, slip to the left a little bit to get behind. Cap.
0: Oh, he does. You're right. He goes to the middle.
1: Yeah. yeah he yeah, goes yeah. to the middle. So that was great. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of Buck, I think my, one of my, my, my top, my number three, uh, would have to be early on. And it's the, it's the fight sequence when I think, um, uh, and this, maybe I'm cheating cause it's a sequence, but it's, it's the scene where Cap is in Buck's apartment leading to the, that first fight with um with other members of the of the avengers and it's a it's a very jason bourne type fight sequence but you see kind of the you see the experience of of the winter soldier i mean you see the winter soldier come out and you see him take down each individual uh each individual member of the team you know got tony who i think he blows his glasses apart or something like he blows his lens of his oh
0: the escape sequence
1: yeah yes. i'm sorry yeah sorry i
0: thought we were talking about the one in the the apartment building where cap goes to get him oh is so it you're talking you're talking about the escape sequence from that one
1: i'm sorry so i apologize I, yeah sorry and so it
0: everybody was, goes after him like one-on-one and can't yes, get him yeah that's it so i apologize i was like on top of his shoulders hitting him
1: yeah 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 so i yeah i apologize it wasn't it wasn't mm-hmm. the apartment sequence that was pretty good but this one really kind of took the cake and he was taking on individual members of the avengers and then, of course, he goes after, um, he goes after, or Black Panther goes after him. And the one moment that I thought stood out from this whole scene was when he basically just, he sees a guy on a motorcycle and he either like, pulls him off or something. And then in the slow motion, he like, just wraps his whole body around the motorcycle and then just takes off. And I'm like, dude, that guy, you don't, you don't mess with him. You don't mess with the Winter Soldier because he will own you. He will own Chuck Norris, okay? you know he, just like, <laughs> yeah. he will go down, man I but, don't know if
0: this is a criticism of the movie or not, but you've just mentioned three different scenes i that, okay no I, no, and okay. it's not a criticism on you. I think it's interesting as a commentary that you've blended three different scenes with the Winter Soldier together because the motorcycle thing happens in the chase sequence at the oh, beginning. Oh, man. And, and I agree. Awesome. It's an amazing movement. And, and that was one of those ones where my kids both turned their heads to me, jaw wide open, and they went, that was cool. And it, you're right, man. It is definitely worthy of a second, mo- second pick. But, like, the fact that you just blended literally three different scenes with the Winter Soldier and the Black Panther, that's an interesting Interesting thing, because so I let me don't just, think it's on you. I think it's on the film.
1: I will call it the Jason Bourne sequence. How about that? The black, the yeah, the yeah, winter soldier Jason Bourne sequence. That's what I'm going to call it.
0: Uh, you can count them all. It's okay. You're majorly <laughs> cheating, but we're going to let it slide.
1: <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, not um, a second
0: one. That was your number three, though. So let me yeah. take it back. So that's good for your number. I said that was good for your number second or two, okay. but that was good for your number three. Okay. Um, so my second one was everything about... So I, everything about Ant-Man and Spider-Man in the in the fight in the fight sequence at the airport. Huge Ant-Man fan. My kids and I love him. We actually read some of the comics with him and we just we just the newer ones and we love him, love him, love him. So the entire sequence of him becoming Giant-Man. <laughs> that was probably the most unexpected thing in this movie for me. I did not see it coming. Knew that Giant-Man existed, but I also know from the comics that it kills one of the versions of Ant-Man at one point. So I, I didn't know how they were ever going to weave this in if they did. And I certainly didn't expect it to happen in Civil War. I thought for sure if he was ever going to become Giant-Man, it would happen in you know Ant-Man and the Wasp or one of the fu- you know future Ant-Man films. But no, he becomes Giant-Man, which is literally the most bonkers amazing moment in this movie. And here comes Spider-Man. <laughs> and that the whole dialogue where... He says, hey guys, you ever see that really old movie, Empire Strikes Back? (laughs) So I'm going to break this down because like one line at a time, right? And so I'm dying because in one (laughs) sentence, he's made fun of how old I am because he calls it this really old movie and... Disney has managed to mention Star Wars in their Marvel Universe,
1: which is <laughs> yes.
0: both, both brilliant and amazing, and they worked it in, and the scene worked perfectly because he really did look like a walker when they were taking him down. I mean, it was just amazing. The whole thing is amazing. And War Machine says, Jesus, Tony, how old is this guy? <laughs> and then Iron Man goes, I don't know. I didn't carbon date him. He's on the young side. No, why did he say carbon date him? Right? Why did he say that? Because Han Solo got in carbon. Right? I mean, like you know, in *The Empire Strikes Back*, like it is the most amazing example of brilliant, brilliant, talented writing. Yeah. Um, for them to put that in there, it's visually perfect as a sequence. It's exciting and entertaining, and the dialogue involved. It's just such great cross marketing for them. I, I, I was blown away by that whole sequence. Loved every bit of it.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, if I was expecting you when you mentioned Ant Man, I thought you were going to mention the one moment that that I thought was probably my favorite Ant Man moment was when he goes inside Tony Stark's uh, yeah, brain yeah. or whatever. And this is to your me, conscience. yeah, this is your conscience. Yeah, uh, you know, we haven't talked in a while, and uh, oh, you're going to need to take this into the shop. Those moments, you know, who I thought about, Deadpool,
0: Deadpool. Yeah, those are
1: those are Deadpool lines to me. I mean, those are, I can I, see that. I laughed out loud. I mean, my wife can tell you, I just, I, that, that was the moment that I laughed out. Just probably the hardest was in those, those two moments. That's so yes, great. definitely great. Ant-Man stuff. My number two was the, uh, the scene introducing Spider-Man, not the Marissa Tomei. Hey, your mom's kind of on the, or your aunt's kind of on the young side. That, that's funny. But the, the scene inside his room where he's sort of intimidated by Tony and Tony's kind of feeling him out. And Tony just, he knows he owns this kid basically, But in particular, I mean, it was like a great little, I'm going to call it a Cosby show moment, because it was like, you expect like the really sweet music and all this stuff to happen. And, you know, you know, you know, Billy learns a lesson, that kind of thing. And there was that there was a great line, I think that Holland said about, he basically said, you know what, knowing that there's something wrong and not doing anything about it is worse than being part of the problem. That's not what he said, but that's sort of what he was getting at. And I was like, dude, that that gave me sympathy for you that gave me uh that gave me you know context that you could be that you could you know be manipulated by tony that you could buy into what he's doing but you mentioned it earlier that tony basically you know he's gonna sit down and you expect in any other conventional movie for him to just go you know just sit down and start talking to him (laughs) but instead he goes you're gonna move the leg you because know, because it's. I it's love that so, scene
0: so much. It was it, so yeah. exciting when he said that. It was so perfect.
1: Yeah, so I thought that was great. It, just that whole scene was great because it helped. It helped solidify, um, it, it, it solidified Tom Holland as Spider-Man to me. This is before the whole action sequence, and it got me jazzed about the the Spider-Man solo movie. I'm really excited about Spider-Man: Homecoming.
0: Ditto. Ditto. So, um, we are pressed for time a little bit. We don't want to have people having to spend as long as they uh, spent in civil war while listening to us, even though we could talk that long about it. I'm sure. So the actual civil war
1: didn't take this long, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, it didn't actually. Let's uh, let's spoiler alert here and reveal that we have the same number one. Um, uh. <laughs> we don't we don't look at each other's in detail because we like to be able to we like to hear what each other has to say, um, in real time. You know, uh, so if we get the same ones, we get the same ones. But I think we do have the same one. Um, because both of us were very, very passionate about uh, the final scenes yeah. uh, with Tony Stark and, and Captain America.
1: Yeah, absolutely, so, man. So that was... I'm going to
0: let you lead on this. Okay. Um, what What do you think about that whole Tony Stark going after Bucky and Captain America fighting him and that whole sequence there?
1: Well, I think I think the payoff for me was, you know, again, I'm I'm a naive viewer, and I think that's good for me. I like being a naive viewer. I like going in and not trying to guess the ending. Uh, that's what made me a big fan of M nights early stuff was I was just like, I'm not going to try to guess what the twist is because the twist is better not knowing. And so when I came to the realization that Bucky was the one that killed Tony's parents, um, you know, we kept seeing that scene over and over again at, with the car. And I'm like, why are we keep seeing this? What's the deal? What I loved was the emotional weight of each person, Bucky cap and Tony coming to this realization Uh, obviously Tony seeing it for the first time, Buck knowing that he did it, but not remembering that he did it and cap going, I knew about this. I didn't know it was him, but I knew about it. And so they all have this weird, different amount of knowledge about the event. And what it did was it made the scene with cap and, and Tony, their fight sequence all the more emotionally invested and I thought, because I'd seen the trailer and I was like, wait a minute, these guys haven't fought yet. I'm that guy, you know, I'm looking at the trailer and I'm going, wait, that scene hasn't happened yet. How is he going to, you know, what's going to happen?
0: Conversely, I had not seen the trailer yeah. for that. And I didn't know that was going to happen. And that, man, was it awesome because I did not know that was going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So good. And, and so I, I thought, you know, it, it really, it left me going, how does a person not just how does a person, but how do three people coming from this at three different angles process this? And then you look at Zemo, which I don't know if I actually saw his face, but then I'm thinking about him and I'm going, I mean, he wasn't like the sinister, my plan worked. I mean, he was just, I think I remember him just going.
0: He walked out. Yeah, he was done. He walked outside and he was yeah, done. He, yeah, he, he, did it. he did what he needed to do. He yeah. crumbled the empire. Yeah. yeah, this was my favorite scene too, man. I it, This was, and the reason is because this was the most emotional scene of the entire film to me for the reasons you just mentioned. It it Great. it made my heart hurt for them because I knew there was just no there was I knew that nothing was going to be the same at this point. So previous to this, I, I felt like you know when Roadie gets shot, that was the the closest thing to maybe there's not going to be any any coming back. But this this one really seals the deal, and it just it got me right in the heart when you know they find he finds out of a bucky cap reminds him and says something about how you know this wasn't him tony you know this wasn't him and it tony says i don't care he killed my mom and it was just like oh like okay i get it like i'm not on your side and i don't agree but i understand like i get where you're coming from and um and then, and then when they fight, it's just because they fight, they, they, fought. they all knew that they shouldn't be fighting. At this point, yeah. they're not actually fighting for ideals anymore. Yeah. They know better. They know that this is vengeance. They know that they're high on adrenaline and, and, and anger in Tony's case and, and all of this. They, they, they know they shouldn't be doing it, but they do it anyway, and that's when we know they're broken. Yeah. And the Avengers have been beaten. Essentially the Avengers have been beaten in this film. And I said earlier that it wasn't quite the way I wanted it to be, but this scene solidifies that they, the end that this is a great culmination to that because it does provide, it does provide that consequence in a way.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, when you contrast that with the fight sequence at the airport, I think the airport fight sequence was homage to just good comic book fighting. This had the emotional weight and it had something that mattered. That fight at the airport didn't matter. I mean, even as much as the, uh, the conf- even, even if the conflict was legitimized, that fight didn't matter because they weren't going after the lives of one another. Le- in, in all seriousness, I mean, Tony, well, he wanted to kill Cap. He wanted to kill him.
0: So I was going to mention that I thought again, no trailers. I, I thought he might. I yeah. thought that the I was le- leading up to this. I truly believed, watching it happen, being in the moment of the film, that Tony might kill him. Cap might die,
1: yeah.
0: and Bucky might pick it up. Because in the comics, at some point, Winter Soldier is Captain America. I believe Falcon's Winter Sol- or Captain America at some point, too. I can't remember for sure. But I know Bucky picks up the shield at one point. Yep. And they, they were showing little bits of this. Because Bucky like, plays with the shield a couple times. And like during that one <laughs> fight sequence with Iron Man, they're flipping the shield back and forth and both using it. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're leading. I truly believed. I, no kidding. Like That first time watching this movie, I thought... All of that was leading to Caps dying. Caps going to die. They're going to own this. They're going to make it serious. And I don't know that I wanted them to go that far, but it would have been interesting if they did. And, And I thought it was great that it even made me feel that that could happen.
1: Well, and the trailers didn't give away that stuff. I mean, we didn't see any aftermath. Good, good, good. Trailer. But I also know for a fact that Steve Rogers has signed up. Steve Rogers. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, Chris Evans. Yeah. He's signed on for at least one or two more movies, so we know we're going to see him at some point. And Yeah. It's I, think, that to- uh,
0: I think Sebastian Stan signed on for like six or seven more too, which is interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. Gosh, that's so many, so many movies. Gosh. All right, let's blow through this. Um, final thoughts and uh, wrap this thing up.
1: You know what? I'm just. It's comforting to me that um, even though I wasn't blown away by the movie, I can take some solace knowing that the MCU puts out solid movies every time. I've not been disappointed in one. I probably won't be. I'm not interested in Doctor Strange, but I'll probably like it anyway. I wasn't interested in Thor, and I liked it quite a bit. So there's a sense of on par that the MCU has for me. My hope ultimately is that because we have a we have a, a, a Sony. Disney collaboration that we can get that with future properties like the X Men or even Fantastic Four to an extent. I'd love, love, love to see that.
0: That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, man. So for me, um, biggest takeaway from this is that my hype for the Black Panther movie is through the roof. Um, I cannot wait for that one. Came out a couple days ago uh, after the or before the recording of this. That uh, Michael B. Jordan is going to be joining the cast of that. Yes. Yes. Ryan, Ryan Coogler, uh, big, we at the podcast here, are a big fan of Ryan Coogler. Absolutely. Um, and he's going to be directing this. Um, oh, he, Michael B. Jordan is his muse. Um, they, <laughs> they collaborated in Fruitvale station and in Creed, both of Coogler's previous films. And both were phenomenal films. Uh, B. Jordan was amazing in both of them. So I, that news, I just, I couldn't even, the way that I took black Panther out of this was, that I wasn't expecting anything. I thought he was gonna have a cameo. So when he had, a, like I said, the biggest arc, it was incredible. I didn't know anything about the character really, but he sold me. He's now one of my favorite characters I've ever seen on film, as far as a as a comic book character goes. Um, and I'm just I'm stoked to go learn about him, want to read about him, get ready for his film. Um, I love the direction Marvel's going with his solo movie. Um, that's about it, really, for that. Um, lastly, I will be. I've got some cool stuff coming up. The Seattle Film Festival is kicking into gear this week, which is really awesome. So there's a couple of weeks here of lots and lots and lots of little movies playing all over the place, different theaters. I, I tend, I have not been able to go as much in recent years. There were a couple of years where I went to a bunch of them, but I just don't have the time anymore. So I've whittled it down to about three. Uh, I'm excited to go check those out over the next few weeks, and hopefully I'll be able to bring back some feedback on those and tell you how I felt about them
1: stuff, man. Hey, I'm going to send some, uh, some, some shout outs of, uh, just want some, uh, want some friends of, of, uh, movies and TV shows to hang out with and talk. Um, I'm finishing up the flash TV series. If you guys, any of you out there watch the flash, hit me up on Twitter, uh, at shoeless patch or on Facebook at shoeless patch. And let's talk, let's talk flash. I'm looking for some more people to talk about that. If you have any feedback about gray gardens, love to hear what you guys thought about that, because, these are these flash and great gardens are two things that are worthy of, of, of talking about. I'd love to get into a conversation with uh, some of you guys.
0: Awesome. Uh, you can find me as always at Aaron L white, A A R O N E L white. That's Twitter, Facebook, etc. And the show is Feelin' film everywhere you go. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, we have a Reddit group now, uh, anywhere you want to come to join the conversation and tell us what you think. That's what we are here for. That's what we want to do is bring you into the discussion.
1: Be fun, man. We're we're uh, we're looking forward to hearing what you guys thought about Civil War. If you agreed with a lot of stuff we said, uh, join the conversation. We'd love to hear what you guys are are saying. Sounds good. Well, until next week. See you later. Bye.